Welcome to This Girl Puts Out. I'm your host, Carm Macaretta, and I interview real women with real stories about real life stuff. I'm inviting you to laugh, cry, and connect with my guests as they share some of their most impactful life experiences, from their brightest moments to their darkest hours. For more stories and an opportunity to share your own, visit me at thisgirlputsout.com. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of This Girl Puts Out. This is a makeup-free, no-bra, <laughs> dirty hair Saturday morning here in Western New York. At least it is for me. Um, I want to welcome my guest, Shelly Dryman, this morning. And um, Shelly and I met in a podcasting community online, and we spent a few minutes over Zoom and, and connected and uh, really pleased to have her on this morning. Um, we're going to be talking about starting over and transformation. So when I asked Shelly for her bio, she said, you know, I really don't, I really don't have a bio. Uh, I'm just me. I'm just me. And I want to share my story. So she's not here for self-promotion. She's not selling anything. She just uh, really wants to inspire you by uh, sharing her story. So thank you so much and welcome, Shelly. Well, thank you. I am super excited to to be here. This is going to be good. Yeah, I know. You're not used to being the guest, right? I am not. (laughs) Good. Well, I hope I hope it's fun. Um, there is a central moment that's going to divide your story, right? Sort of pre pre train track and post train track. So um, we'll we'll share with the audience what that means in a few minutes. But um, <clears throat> tell us about you know how you grew up um, in in your life prior to this life changing moment. Gosh, you know, when I, when I had my train track moment, I always wrote about how um, that was really uh, where I thought my story began, but my story actually began when I was born and I'm not going to go through the whole story tale, but just as briefly as I can. Uh, I was born uh, to two very uh, poor parents who were ill-equipped equipped to raise children through no fault of their own. I mean, I truly understand now that they had suffered great trauma in their own lives. And uh, as we know, that is then passed down to our children um, uh, through actions and, and, you know, just raising of the family. So um, my dad was a very abusive alcoholic and my mom was emotionally detached from everything. And the really funny thing about my mom, Carm, was that uh, her and, and now that I'm saying this, it's kind of dawning on me Mm -hmm. is that her outside appearance in the house and everything was perfect and spotless. Wow. But then, you know, when you really opened the door and and saw what was going on, it wasn't so. Um, So I grew up like that, you know, and that just, you know, the trauma and and, uh, just not having really any um, uh, good role models or any direction as a child, or, you know, we just sort of ran wild as my parents took care of their own, you know, their own stuff. Uh, and then I, um, I went to college one year and flunked out because I drank too much beer and slept in too much and didn't go to class. So, uh, but that's where I met my first husband and uh, my mother loved him. And she said, um, you need to marry that boy. He'll calm you down. So I said, okay, I'll marry him. 
well, we had three kids and he's, you know, he's a good guy. We just, we just grew apart. So I um, divorced him when I turned 40 and there was a lot of other stuff in there with his mom and things that I'm just not going to go into because it wouldn't be fair to them. But um, I sort of got a little wild after my divorce because I was like, whoa, my kids were in high school. They were very mobile. They spent a lot of time with their dad, which was fine. Um, And um, I then met uh, another man who I ended up marrying, but this man turned out to be uh, very narcissistic. He was a gaslighter. He was emotionally abusive. Um, So that's sort of my first 48 years in a nutshell. Um, but anyone who, who has lived, who, who grew up in a, in a family with abuse or alcohol can certainly understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying. So I don't feel I need to go into great detail, mm-hmm. but, um, getting up to my train track moment, Carm was, um, that's, oh gosh, I don't remember how old I was, 47, 46, maybe, um, I gone to brunch with a girlfriend and I came home and uh, my husband uh, was at the door and he said, I got a surprise for you. Or I got something to tell you. I don't remember exactly what he mm. said. And I'm like, Oh, great. I like surprises. And he sits us both down on the couch. And he looks at me and he says, I may have given you an STD. I'm like, what the hell? I didn't say what the hell, but I was like, I said something much worse. Yeah. But, you know, when I look back on that car, I think, why, why did you do it that way? You know, I, I didn't understand the whole, like, His you know, approach. why did you feel that you needed to drag my, my girlfriend in on this? And that was really the camel that broke the straws back. We had had some issues before, mm-hmm. um, but he did, it, it wasn't, he didn't give me an STD that he was just, he was just an idiot and didn't really know what was going on. But, um, how can I explain this? I really, when you're uh, involved with a gaslighter or an emotionally abusive person or any sort of abuse, Mm -hmm. really, it's hard to detach from that. You just Mm -hmm. become really codependent. There's a lot of um, layers and issues that go with that. And all that I, I did leave him. I did leave him. I moved in by myself. Um, but what was happening, Carm, was this entire time that I was trying to detach from him, he was just like reeling me in. Mm-hmm. I love you. I want you back. I don't understand why we can't work this out. Why are you so mad at me? And oh, by the way, I slept with your best friend. <laughs> you know, so it was just such a confusing time for me because he's saying one thing, doing other things, mm-hmm. and I was not getting any closure because I didn't understand why he did these things to me because what a gaslighter will do is say, Oh, you're just jealous. Oh, you're just suffering from your childhood traumas. Oh, I didn't say it that way. No, that's Mm -hmm. what you said. I didn't say that. Mm -hmm. So it really gets jumbled up in your head. So what I did was I started drinking and I started drinking heavily and I um, was on antidepressants I complained all the time. Um, I would wake up and not remember the night before. I was drunk texting him and his girlfriends. Um, it was just, oh my gosh, Carmen, it was this shit show, mm. a complete shit show. And all the time, 
I was very functioning though, because mm-hmm. I would go to work mm-hmm. and people would say, oh, you're so put together. You're so smart. You dress so well. You look so good. And I remember going into a coworker's office and she was saying something to me to that effect. And I just broke down and said, oh my gosh, I'm a poser. You have no clue. You have mm-hmm. no clue what my life is like. I'm a complete poser. Please don't tell anybody. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so um, that's, you know, that was leading up to my train track moment. And it wasn't just, you know, that situation with, with my ex-husband. Mm-hmm. It was just a lifetime of stuff. It was a lifetime of um, not knowing where I was going, not knowing who I was, having really poor coping skills, mm-hmm. really low self-esteem, really insecure, not taking any responsibility for my own life. I just was led around by people mm-hmm. like, you know, my mom. And ironically enough, Carm, I married my second husband because his mother wanted me to. <laughs> you know, I just repeated all these patterns in my life. And by the time I hit... 50, Mm -hmm. I I just imploded. Yeah. It sounds like you were really, really lost. I mean, did you have, did you have conversations with yourself at all or were you just stuffing and and numbing? Yeah. I, uh, I constantly had conversations with Mm -hmm. myself and then I would do something to negate that Mm -hmm. pain I was feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, one, one of the things that I really suffered with was the inability to, the, the poor coping skills and the mm-hmm. inability to handle my emotions, thus the drinking and the drunk texting, uh, because I would remember something or I would feel something or I would see something and I would immediately text him. You're a bastard. You're an asshole. You know, you ruined my life. If you had not blah, 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 blah. And then I would feel better for a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I'd like word vomited all these bad feelings. Sure. I didn't really deal what was going. I wasn't really dealing with what was going on mm-hmm. within me. So if you're not really dealing with what's going on inside and taking some time to figure that out, it's just a momentary release right. of emotions right. and it comes back instantly. So I really had that, that cycle going on. Well, you were a mess. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's, you know, I can't even, it would take, it would take four days to, yeah. to explain the yeah. complete mess I was. Yeah. I can't, I can't really, you know, put into words in the short time we mm-hmm. have just how sad I was and the despair I felt mm-hmm. and the numbness mm-hmm. that I felt in my life. Did you have any support system during that time? Were you honest with anybody other than that one coworker? Um did anybody know? Well, um, define honest. (laughs) Um, I, I complained a lot. I had a support group in the fact that I had a community, a handful of women that I complained to all the time. Mm -hmm. It was, it was, I, and I apologized publicly and in person to a lot of people because, um, my life for two years, revolved around him and what he had done to me. Mm-hmm. That's all I talked about to people. Mm-hmm. People would come over, we'd go out and be like, Oh, can you believe what he did now? Mm-hmm. You know, and we, it would just start this whole, um, you know, litany of, of drama, you know, drama, and, you know, all these things. Yeah. 
But I, I did have a friend. Uh, she was in the human resources department where mm-hmm. I worked. And she'd, we'd actually gone out to Colorado a couple of times together. And I got into her office and I'd started my tirade. And uh, she said, listen, here's what you're going to do. She said, you're going to go to your doctor. You're going to tell your doctor you're having trouble. And you're going to take two weeks of medical leave. Now, they can't ask you here at work what's wrong or anything like that. Mm-hmm. She said, but you need to get your shit together. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, so I, I did that. Mm-hmm. And then I spent two weeks not doing anything but drinking and laying around the house. Right. Not dealing. Having a pity party. Yeah. yeah. That didn't solve the problem either. So, so you're 50 you're drunk, <laughs> you're sending messages that the next day when you read them are horrifyingly embarrassing. Um, and you find yourself on a set of train tracks. Yeah. Tell us about yeah. that. Yeah. So I was going to work one morning, it was super cold. And um, I was going to work to a job that I was really getting tired of. And I come to the train tracks and it's a pretty common occurrence there that you get stuck because the trains go by all the mm-hmm. time. Well, I was the first in line. I was hungover. I hurt everywhere. Uh, I was tired, sad, um, my usual state of being. And I'd already created drama because apparently I had texted the night before mm-hmm. and I'd already had drama like, you know, six o'clock in the morning, my phone's just dinging off the, the wall, you know, Um and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, I could run my train, in, my, my car into the train. That's what I'll do. That's literally what I thought, Carm. I'll just, wow. I'll just hit the gas and I'll just run right into the train. And it'll be over. It'll be over or I'll seriously maim myself, you know, something. Um, but this is how dysfunctional I was. You know, one of my thoughts was, I'll show him. I'll run my, I'll just, I'll just hurt myself or kill myself. Right. And, you know, to hear myself say that now, it's just like, I mean, I, I try to have compassion for that woman then, you know, like I really feel for her, but at the same time, I'm just like, what the, you know, who, who does that? A but really I, broken. I was, I, you know, and here, you know, I know we're going to talk about this later, but I also uh, host a podcast and, you know, it's a, it's alarming Carm, the number of women who say to me, they had that same thought. It wasn't a train track moment for them, but it was some other moment. Mm-hmm. And it's not that we want to end our lives, the women I talked to, and myself in particular. We just wanted that pain to stop. We didn't know how to get rid of the pain. And, and we're numbing it and inappropriate, you know, either, either through food or drugs or sex or alcohol or whatever. Right. Right. We're numbing that pain. But here is what stopped me from doing it was at the time I had four grandkids. I now have almost seven, (laughs) but at the time I had four grandkids. And my first thought was after I sort of, you know, calmed down and, and, and thought of, you know, this really isn't an option I can consider. I thought, what are my grandkids going to say to my kids? They're going to be like, daddy, why did Anja do that? They call me Anja, instead of grandma. And so that really snapped me back into reality because I didn't want my grandkids to wander their entire life. Why Anja decided to run herself into a train? Not that they would, not that their dad would be like, "Oh, by the way, Anja killed herself." Mm-hmm. But that that literally probably saved me from mm-hmm. some serious consequences. 
So oh. that, the, that, that was the motivation that was it. Yeah, start that was, to turn your thoughts around that. It was. That and that was like within five minutes mm-hmm. of time, the train, I went to work. I went into my friend's office that I uh, uh, talked about previously and I quit my job that day. I gave him six weeks notice because of the position I was in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just told her, I said, I'm, I'm out of here. I've, I've got to figure something else out. And I went to my office. I put my feet up on the desk and I was like, I had made a decision. I didn't know what I was going to do, Carl, right. but I right. made a decision. Was something changing in you? you did you feel a, a shift? I did. I felt empowered. I mean, I, you know, I still, I, it, it was still a struggle for a while mm-hmm. after I made that decision, but it was like, you know, um, you know, as my dad used to say, you need, you know, excuse my language, you need shit or get off the pot. You know, it's time mm-hmm. to do something. Mm-hmm. So I made that decision. You know, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave my job. But before that, I had I have friends. I had a friend in Colorado who knew my situation. She was always saying, "You need to come out here. You need to come out here. You need to come out here and live with me." And I always had an excuse. You know, I can't come now because it's snowing. <laughs> I can't come now because I have a lease on my duplex or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that was my second thought. Well, I'll just go to Colorado. So, um, for eight months, yeah, mm-hmm. you, you took off and what did you do? Well, I, <laughs> I, um, sold or go, gave away most of my stuff, mostly mm-hmm. to my kids. Uh, cause I knew I could get it back if I really mm-hmm. wanted it, but, mm-hmm. um, I, I didn't have really any money cause I always, I'd spent all my money on drinking and you know, whatever. Um, and, I had a car with a car payment and I just went out there and lived in my friend's basement. They had a really nice, you know, like a, like a separate apartment down there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I went down there and went over to Colorado and lived, which was Colorado. I'm, I'm in Missouri, so it's not that mm-hmm. far away, mm-hmm. but it was just the illusion of this physical space that I had, you know, like, and I loved Colorado cause I, mm-hmm. I go out there all the time. Uh, and I went out to Colorado and, um, you know, there wasn't, you know, people, people say, oh, how can I put this? There, there was really no magic like pill mm-hmm. or project or moment. It was just a combination of things that helped me heal out there. First of all, it was, you know, this, this physical space, uh, right. even though, you know, we we could electronically communicate but with that physical st- space, I stopped communicating with him. Mm-hmm. That, you know. that, that geography yep. change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I stopped communicating with mm-hmm. him. In fact, I got a new phone and new phone number, so mm-hmm. I would not be, I could not hear from him. And um, I got a really easy job as a barista in a coffee shop because I'd always had these really like uh not stressful, but really time consuming professional position. So it was nice just to have a, a job where I could just go home and mm-hmm. not have to, to worry about anything. And um, I stopped drinking almost immediately when I got out there. That's huge. Yeah. And I did a lot of physical activity. There is a place in Golden, Colorado called Table Rock, mm-hmm. Table, Table Mountain. Uh, I called it Trailzilla because uh, 
it's it's on the top of a, a plateau. It's like, you know, three mile loop. But getting up to it, it's like this incline. Mm-hmm. So I was about 50 pounds overweight. I'm at the bottom of Trailzilla. And my goal is to be out there every single day. And my goal is to make it up to the top of the plateau mm. without stopping. I made it like 10 feet the first day because if anyone's been in Colorado, there's altitude, right? you know, really steep. And um, I would stop and I would be like, you know, heaving and people would be, you know, running by and be like, I'm a flatlander. I'm from Missouri. I'm making up all these excuses. I'm like about to vomit on the side of the trail, you know? Um, And that was my goal for a while was every day I was going to go out until I could get to the top of uh, Trailzilla Mm -hmm. and then um, run the the loop. And so I, I hiked, I, I, I did some solo 14ers, which is a, uh, 14,000 feet mountains. I did a lot of hiking, a lot of trail running. Um, my diet got cleaner. I stopped drinking. And there was a moment when I was um, at a, a green space between Boulder and, and Golden where I'm running uh, the Dowdy Trail, which is like six miles, um, three, three in, three out. Mm-hmm. And um, all of a sudden, I just stop and I just start crying like, like, you know, bawling and, you know, Mm. snot bubbles coming out of my mouth and I can't, you know, catch my breath and I'm wiping my face with my t-shirt and, and I just had this moment of clarity, you know, amidst all these, you know, this crying. And that was, that happened probably about two months after I'd been there. And that's when I told myself, you know, you can do this. You're, you're doing it. You're doing great you know, you're, you're going to make it, you're going to be good, good for you for, you know, doing this. And that was also the moment that I told myself, you've got to take responsibility for your life. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you're doing it now. And it's going well. But I told myself, you have always heaved your troubles and your ills and your problems on someone else to fix or that they were the cause of it. Right. But you're the one that has to really say and take that momentum and take that time and say, I'm going to take responsibility for my life. What's it going to look like? How am I going to do it? How Mm -hmm. am I going to get there? That's all on you, sister. You Mm -hmm. figure that out. And that was really like a defining moment for me. That was the transformation right there. It was. That, that and was I, was able, I was able to do that transformation because I had um, the space to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so the I mental was very, space. Mm-hmm. I was very fortunate and I'm mm-hmm. very, I was very blessed to be able to do that in the time that I did. Um, well, it's because of the decision that you made. The, the geography change, you know, so, so yeah. you did that. I know you're yeah. blessed, but, but you did that. Well, that that's true. That that's true. I, you know, I could have gone out there and just you know, partied it up. Like that's I right. Doing. Right. Right. Oh. That's um, boy, there were probably a whole lot of things wrapped up in those tears that day, you know, um, maybe yeah. crying for the girl you had been, you know, and, and being compassionate, towards her and maybe tears of hope. Yeah. You know, yeah. tears of pride even. Yeah. For, for yeah, and that, yourself to yeah, where you were. 
Yeah, you're absolutely right about it. Because people ask me, you know, what what was going on? And I'm I'm like, I can't really tell you. And I can't really explain how cathartic and clearing that was Mm -hmm. for me. Um, And but it was another turning point in my life. And I just got I just got better and better. Yeah, day forward. Well, I think we have to we have to highlight the physical health part of it, you know, um, good nutrition Mm -hmm. and avoiding alcohol. I mean, let's face it, nothing gets better with alcohol. The fact that we think alcohol enhances our lives is a complete lie. It doesn't, it, it, uh, it makes everything worse. So, um, I think, you know, you were in a a physical healthy state and so you were really able to think clearly and really feel raw emotion, you know? Um, so yeah, that, that was your moment of transformation. That's, that's the moment right there. Well, and, and you, you hit on a really good point about raw emotion, because like I had said before, I wasn't ever feeling that, Mm -hmm. you know, I would do everything I could not to, to feel those moments of pain, not to feel it. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, did you, did you work with anybody? Did you get any professional counseling or anything at all during this eight month healing? It was, it was all Shelly and Shelly. Um, and my friend and my friend in Colorado, I owe her a great deal of gratitude and, she really got me through some mm-hmm. tough moments because I remember coming upstairs and I'm like, I got to go home. I can't do this anymore. She's like, you're not going home. Sit down. Let's talk about this. So I guess in a way she was, she was my, you know, pseudo pseudo therapist. Right. right. Therapist, so. Wow. Wow. That's how wonderful she was able to be that person yeah. for you. And I'm sure she feels really, really good about that. Yeah. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. So how did you know? you were healed and it was time to go be new Shelly. Oh gosh, that's a great question. I don't know that I've ever thought about that actually. Well, I had to leave Colorado because I ran out of money. <laughs> so okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I had uh, applied for a uh, executive, uh, executive director's position out in Fort Collins with an agency. And I was um, uh, one of two finalists and they gave the job to someone else. And I thought, well, you know, I'm feeling better. It's probably time for me to go home and I am out of money. Um, I can't live out there anymore. And I've mm-hmm. been looking for like real jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, you know, I don't, I don't know that I ha- can pinpoint that mm-hmm. for you um, because, and I, I, I still have my moments. So it's like, you know, we, I've had this redesign, this transformation and I can handle things better, but it's, it's, it's still a bumpy road, you know, as sure. you could probably attest to. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we're all still, yeah. Still things come up things learning happen. and growing. Right. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how did, how did your family back at home respond to you when you came, when you came back? I mean, obviously they saw you were a different person. Mm-hmm. Oh, they were, they were thrilled to have me home. They were thrilled that I went, you know, they were thrilled mm-hmm. to have me home. I remember my oldest granddaughter, Cassidy looked at me and she says, Anja, promise me you'll never go to California again. I'm like, okay. Uh, she missed <laughs> Wrong you. state, but right. I know what she meant. Um, yeah. They were, they were thrilled for me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
one of the interesting things that happened when I got back harm was I'd lost a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. So people really wanted to focus on that. Mm-hmm. Oh, you look so great. You've lost all this weight. What'd you do? I didn't want to talk about that. I want, I wanted to be like, Oh no, 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 no. I want to talk about what's inside of me. Um, yeah. But everybody was just super happy to have me home and thrilled that I had made these changes and I think had been super worried about me before I left. Mm-hmm. So we're, they were glad that I had gotten on a better path for sure. And sometimes, you know, I think when you make a geographical change or, you know, for instance, when people go, go to an inpatient rehab for a period mm-hmm. of time and when you're put back in your old digs, your old situations, or your old surroundings that can be very triggering and difficult to hold on to the new things about yourself that you learned and your Uh new life principles. And so did you, did you have triggers and challenges when you got home? I I had a, I had a couple. Mm -hmm. Um, I had to stop hanging around with my friends who drank a lot. Mm-hmm. That uh, so that was, you know, that was awkward at times, mm-hmm. um, but a couple of them were like, well, that's fine. You know, we can just, we can go do something else. No big deal. Uh, so I had to be very careful about that. Mm-hmm. When I came back, I did continue my exercise program. Although it was a lot different out here because there's no mountains and it's just, you know, <laughs> not to disparage the, the Ozarks, but it's kind of boring compared to Colorado, yeah. you know? But so I, I, I did a lot of running. I, I trained for half marathons. So that uh, was, I was able to keep that up and yeah. that kept me away from um, social activities or things I knew would get me in trouble. Be like, mm-hmm. Oh no, I'm running a 5k tomorrow. I can't go do that. Yeah. So that was super, super helpful. Uh, and I also, I also uh, did not go back right into the professional world. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a, a really interesting story. I went to work at a Walnut Street Inn here in Springfield. Uh, Gary Blankenship was the owner. Uh, who He's another person I uh, attest to, like, helping me save my life. But I, I, it was a super job. I, I, it was a 12-room, and I cleaned rooms. I was an innkeeper. I... Um, Put together events, uh, so I was able to continue um, that mental space that I needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, before then, I decided three years later I was going to go back into the to professional world. So, Smart. Um, yeah. So when you and I had met a um, week or so ago, we had talked about you know um, things that you could possibly share with another woman. Uh, with other women who are going through a transformation and you had just, you just really talked about one creating that space uh, moments of space uh, so that your, your brain had the capacity to find strength and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, follow these, these new things that, that Mm -hmm. you're trying to do. Um, What else could you share in terms of a, a pearl of wisdom? for someone else. You know, I've thought a lot about that since our conversation and CARM. Um, You know, I talk a lot about taking responsibility and taking action. And I know sometimes that can sound a little little harsh for someone who doesn't Mm -hmm. really feel that they're able to do that at the moment. Um, 
have a lot of compassion for yourself. Give yourself, you know, a lot of space, compassion, um, a lot, you know, give yourself a lot of good, positive self-talk. It's hard at first. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can now go to my mirror and, and look in the mirror and be like, wow, Shelly, you're so awesome. You know, you're so great. You're going to have a, you're going to go out and you're going to bang it out today. Right. I couldn't do that 10 years ago. I couldn't even look at myself in the mirror, mm. you know? So have a lot of positive self-talk. Um, try to really hard to disengage yourself from people that are creating that drama. I know sometimes it's hard, especially if it's a partner or someone that you really can't like physically get away from. Uh, and then find a, you know, find a good support person, someone that's not going to let you wallow in your misery or complain, but someone mm-hmm. that can listen to you with compassion, give you some good ideas, some good thoughts. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think the number one thing for me was I, especially at the train and, and, you know, the moments after that, uh, I did, you deserve to be happy. You deserve to be happy. You deserve to be healthy. Um, you deserve to have all these good things in your life. You are so worthy of that. And there's no magic pill. There's no magic bullet. There's not one word or one thing um, that I can say that's going to be like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm cured of my, <laughs> of whatever. Um, you have to make that decision for yourself that, that you're going to try to find those pieces that work for you uh, to, to get that done. But I, I know that like, some of the greatest resources I had, Carm, were like, you know, like the podcast that you're doing, um, finding, you know, um, either in person or online support groups, you know, uh, places where you feel safe that you can get, you know, get that support, even if it's from strangers. I mean, mm-hmm. I was really shocked at how good I felt when someone I didn't even know was like, you did all that. That's amazing. I'm like, well, <laughs> yeah, I did. Um, so and I think the most important thing is um, taking responsibility for your life. Yeah. And, and so there's, there's people that can't do that. There's people that get stuck in the, the victim mindset or, or they're stuck, you know, they don't know they're being victims. They're, they just get stuck in the narrative. Mm-hmm. They can't tell themselves a different story and they can't yeah. see that it has to come from within them. And that, mm-hmm. that they're the only ones who can really create long lasting change or meaningful change, you know, um, not going to find it in somebody else or doing something else. It, it has to come from within you. But what is, I don't know, what is the difference between those people? You know, how come some can do it and others can, I guess it's kind of a dumb question. Everybody's circumstances are different, but, but what do you what do you think? Well, let me, let me say first that there are, there are true victims in the world. I work for an agency that provides services to victims of violent and sexual crime. By no way is what happened to you if you are a victim of a crime your fault. Let me just put that out there right now. And we have a lot of people that have to work through that trauma. Perhaps that's part of the problem with some people. Yeah. You know, I grew up in a house with a lot of trauma. Um, and I knew that as an adult survivor, Mm-hmm. I, I know now, but I didn't know then yeah. as an adult survivor that that was impeding my progress greatly. So if you are a victim of a crime, doesn't matter how long, if you were six years old, you know, 
find a, find an agency or a counselor that does trauma informed counseling. And let's let's get to that issue first. If that's not your your case, I'm going to say uh, <laughs> this is going to sound really trite, but you just have to do it. And I know that if you're going to if you're listening to this today, if you listen to my podcast and the other podcast, is that you have to say to yourself, I am going to take responsibility for my life. Mm-hmm. I am going to do it. Now, I know I, I, have pe- I have people I know who absolutely refuse to do that, even though they know that they can, they don't want to. Because when you take responsibility for your life, uh, Carm, you can't, you can't blame anybody else. It's so easy. It was so easy mm-hmm. for me to say, only if, if my parents had not. Mm-hmm. If my boss had not, if my husband had not, if only, and I could take that and just throw it out to someone else, I'd be like, see, I can't do anything about it. It's his right. fault. Right. It's, e- it's easier than, than doing the hard work. That's the victim kind of victim mm-hmm. I was at the end. Mm-hmm. And so the, you absolutely can start making those changes when someone when your boss or your partner or you feel someone has done something to wrong you, just take a step back and say, what can I do to control this situation or change this situation? What I, and, you know, it, it's, I don't like, I, I can't give specific, specifics right. <laughs> because like you said, we don't know your circumstance. Right. We have no clue. So just, you know, to give these really detailed um uh, ad- advice is super difficult, but, you know, just take a step back. What is the situation? What is the one thing you can do to take control of that and say, I can take responsibility for this. I can take responsibility for my thoughts, my actions, my emotions. What's the one thing that I can, that I can do right now. Right. And I found over the years that it just becomes this habit. And, you know, it's just something that you, that you do like, um, I don't eat cheese anymore. I stopped eating cheese because it was bad for me. And now it's just like four months later, I'm like, I don't want to eat cheese. I don't crave cheese. So it's the same with your emotions. When you stop spewing your emotions, when you, when you have this growth mindset and start thinking these positive thoughts, it just becomes this habit that you do. And it's, you don't necessarily have to go back to, um, blaming everybody or go right, on right. the victim or whatever. Yeah. So consistency in mm. those positive thoughts is important. They eventually crowd out they do. the negative. Mm-hmm. Um, so a, a, a podcast and a website was born. It's called women over 50, a life redesigned. Mm. And at, at what point did this, did this develop and did you, you know, where, where did it come from and when in your story? Well, I don't, I don't know really where it came from. <laughs> um, uh, I, uh, I think the, uh, the Facebook group probably started about six years ago. Okay. Where did that come first? That came first. Okay. And it really was born from the idea that um, we do better as a community of women if we have that support. So my idea was to create this very intentional community of women. Um, So I'm very selective about what's posted in there about the direction that we take 
Uh, for example, we don't allow memes where women are caricatures of ourselves, you know, with the curly curlers in our hair and the smoking and the bathrobe and, you know, kicking puppies and being stuff like that. You know, it, it's a very supportive group. And I'm really proud of this group because it's taken a life of its own and it's a really good direction. It's a really supportive group. Uh, we really supportive of the women who are active in there. 6,400 members. Yeah, 6,400 members. Um, and I don't approve everybody. So, and I kick people out. And I know that might sound harsh, but like I said, it's a very intentional group. Mm-hmm. Women, we want to be supportive of each other. Um, but, um, and then the podcast, I love podcasts. I listen to them all the time and I love to talk and I'm super curious. Um, so I thought, what, where, where's a platform that I could give a voice to women who have mm-hmm. gone through transformations like myself and mm-hmm. have, you know, moved from, you know, like my story here, that what, what happened and what, what, what great things are you now doing with your life? And um, I thought, well, I'll just do a podcast. See, I'm an activator. So like I get these ideas and I just do them. And if they work, that's great. And if they don't, you know, then I dismiss them. Um, So, and, you know, that's one thing too, I want to tell, especially women over 50 is that um, try these things, try these things. Don't be afraid of these, of anything, you know, if you want to write a book or do a blog or run a marathon or, you know, be a chef or I don't know, whatever, be a podcast or whatever, just, you know, try these things out. Um, so I thought, well, I'll be, I'll do a podcast. Um, and I, this is my third year. And I tell you wow. what, Carb, it's the best thing I've ever done in my life. I love it. Uh, I have met so many amazing, there are so many amazing women out there like us who are, who are just doing over 50, who are just doing great things that we don't, I had Joy on who is 81 years old. She just wrote a book. She just got her book published. It's incredible. She's delightful. Yeah. You know, so it's, I feel the same way. Um, Just connecting to other women through the Mm -hmm. podcast and through this community has been a real boost for me. I feel like it's some of the most important work I've ever done. You yeah. know, um, yeah, yeah. A, a, you'll get a, hooked on it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just, I've just have a year under my belt. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm still sort of evolving and figuring out, you know, how I, how I, you know, my process, I guess. Um, but there's definitely something so rewarding about it. And I love that, that I can meet a complete stranger like you and make a connection over a five minute call and be able to do something like this, you know, and, and how many women might listen to this. And, and my goal initially was, you know, if I can change one life, if I can help one person, then I'm done, you know? And uh, I feel like, I feel like I've, I've maybe helped a few more than that. So. Oh, I'm sure you have. I've listened to your podcast. (laughs) Thank you. You're Um, welcome. So, so can we invite my audience to find you on Facebook and join your group? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And that is, it's, it's women over 50, a life redesign. Is that the name of the, the Facebook group? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, when you go in there, there'd be questions to answer. Just mm-hmm. uh, say, I, I found you on Carm's podcast. Okay, cool. And then, <laughs> um, so you have a website as well. And you, what do you offer on your website? Do you have some courses or anything like that? 
Um, I, I don't. Okay. I thought uh, I'm I one saw... of those odd, odd people who just, yeah. Uh, yeah. I am. I, um, I, I ha- that's where I house my uh, full podcast episodes, right. the audio right. and, and video. I do have a uh, freebie I give out if you join my email list. I okay. do put out, out an email every week, which is just a personal thought mm-hmm. from myself mm-hmm. and then some of the things that are coming, coming up. Um, but um, I, you know, I don't really ever go to my website except to put a new podcast episode. Right. Out. Right. And how about, did I see something on there about a book, like a, a, oh, pre, yeah, yeah, a yeah. pre-order list or, um, yeah, a waiting list for the book. Yes. I am actually, oh, I totally forgot about that. I am putting together a book of, uh, it's going to be a series and I'm mm-hmm. on my first year, I'm putting together a book of a handful of my first year interviews. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be, um, um, uh, some thoughts from the guest and then we're going to do a cleaned up transcript of the, the interview. And then I'm going to put my thoughts uh, at the end about, about the interview. So I'm going to try it, see how it works. That's right. You got to try it. Yeah. Um, I've always wanted to write a book. So I thought this would be an easy foray into to the publishing. Sure. Sure. Excellent. Well, we will look forward to that. Um, And I, I hope that uh, listeners, I hope you guys, uh, find Shelly on Facebook and join her group. <clears throat> I sent in my request this morning. I'm waiting for approval currently. Oh, so <laughs> I don't know, Carm, you're pretty sketchy. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and you can find uh, Shelly on Facebook and then the website is, can you give, give us the website? It's women over 50 alike redesigned.com. Yeah, every, okay. Everything, everything. Perfect. And, you know, I love to interact with people. Um, I answer all my emails. So, you know, we can drop my email address down below. It's Shelly at ShellyDriman.com. You know, please feel free to reach out to me with your stories. I, I love, I would love to hear them. Fantastic. Yeah. You have been so wonderful to talk to and fun. And uh, I really appreciate meeting you. And thank you for sharing your story. I know you helped somebody today. And you're just delightful. I'm so, oh, glad, well, so glad we ditto. met. Ditto, friend. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a lifer, so you won't be getting rid of me. So <laughs> some of my other podcast guests will tell you. I mean, I'm not going to stalk you, but. <laughs> I'm the same way. I'm just like. I'll be around. my BFF. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. And This Girl Puts Out is officially signing off. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And for more stories about real-life women, visit thisgirlputsout.com.